We'll continue on from where we left out yesterday. Is that is that fine? I'm just going to give a quick uh, overview of where we were yesterday, and then we dive deep into uh, what we want to see today. God is setting apart a people for Himself for all eternity. Okay, that's the overarching understanding of, of what God has been doing all through ages, right from the beginning, even before the beginning began. God, His plan. If you really look into the Old Testament, New Testament, the Old Covenant, New Covenant, the whole gamut of things from Genesis chapter 1 down to Revelation chapter 22, you see that God is doing just this one thing. He's setting apart a people for Himself, for all eternity, so that His people will be His people. That He will be their God, that we will be His people. And that he will come and dwell amongst us. That that relationship, that intimacy that is what he longs for. And that is why he inaugurated what he inaugurated. Because he knew at the end of it, it's all going to be worth. It doesn't matter whether there was sin that corrupted the human race. Or people would turn astray. Right in the beginning, he would provide for. For the lamb was slain even before the foundations of the earth. And that lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth became a reality on Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. When he died, he rose again. And he continues to inaugurate and say, Hey, I am setting apart a people for myself for all eternity. And it does not belong to one ethnos or one kind of people. It's all kinds of people, all different races, all different language groups. Because I had to split them out in language groups because they were turning out something else. And therefore, I would be very specific in my purposes of what I want to do across the entire world. And he would continue to do just this one thing. Set apart a people for himself for all eternity. So that we will be his people. That that intimate relationship with the community will continue on. And that because we are his people, that we would collaborate with him. That we would cooperate with him to set apart more people for himself for all eternity. And that is what God has been doing in Acts 29. God set apart a people for himself for all eternity in the greater Vancouver area. And now God is setting apart more people for himself for, himself for all eternity. And that's why we have ended up with six of our groups. And that's where the spirit is moving. That's what the Spirit is doing in Acts 29. So he's setting apart more people for himself for all eternity. So that this group of people, a community of disciples of Christ. will grow and become one family. And that these families would have no walls of division between them, but will be able to develop one-mindedness. We say one-mindedness is about, we are all about this one same spirit. We have one God, one Father, 
one Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same spirit that moves amongst us. But we have one faith, which is the one teaching that apostles delivered to the churches. We have one baptism. Because through that we have been inducted into this one family. Which is that one body. Although we meet together in small different communities because that's the way by which we would be able to know one another and experience what this loving one another, bearing patiently with one another, um, being patient with one another, being kind to one another, being gentle to one another, can't be produced in a mass. Therefore, we, we are actually small little communities of faith, small little communities of disciples of Christ who are growing up to be this one family, built around this one Father, one Lord Jesus Christ, one Spirit, and around this one faith, which is what, is the teachings of Jesus delivered through the apostles by the Spirit that needs to be saturating all of our families so that we are not clashing with one another around our philosophy because we have the same philosophy. Because what is a philosophy? Philosophy is something that you, you actually govern your entire life around. It's a set of principles that govern your life. It's a set of principles that you process life through. And therefore, this one teaching or that teaching of Jesus Christ delivered by the Spirit to the apostles that the apostles picked up and delivered to the churches must saturate each and every one of us so that our lives will be processed. The way we live our life before our God, before this watching world will be the same. Because we have this one philosophy which is coming from this one teaching that the apostles delivered to the churches. So this is a picture of how Christ, what is his teaching? His teachings actually are, are in sync with his nature. And because we practice his teaching in our lives, we actually reflect this nature. And the problem is, as a single person, we are not able to reflect his nature to the fullest. And that's why he is creating a body. He is creating a community. And the communities together reflect this manifold wisdom of God to this watching world. And that's how Christ is revealed. And because of this oneness, the people around who are the watching world are able to see Jesus reflected through these communities. And they want to actually inquire why there's joy that is there and why this love is existent. And that's the reason why they want to join these communities because they know that in the world there is trouble. In the world there is peacelessness. In this world that this joy and love is non-existent. And that needs to be found in our communities. That attracts the watching world. And brings them back through Jesus to the same father. And they are grounded in this teaching. By being baptized and inducted into our families. This is what continues on and on and on. And, and this community is actually replenish, multiply, and occupy this entire world. And that's the plan right from the beginning. And in this process, 
God has appointed the apostolic. Who are these apostolic leadership? They are a set of gifted leaders appointed by Christ for his church to spearhead the progression of the gospel. So they can evangelize strategic cities, establish local churches, and entrust it to the leaders so that the leaders can continue on the work within this or web out this progression through the multiplication of other churches. Or other communities. And that, that's why God has given a, a set of leaders within the body of Christ. <coughs> Not that they are any special than others who are in the body. But they are being gifted with this tough task of penetrating places that are impregnable. And they progress the gospel. And shatter through the, the forces of darkness in order to actually evangelize. And bring a set of people fresh. And they are established. And there's an interesting that takes place. And this is what we, we, we talked about. A little different from. A uh, little different vocabularies than uh, what we used yesterday. But this is the picture of where we stopped yesterday. <coughs> Any questions? Even when Paul left Ephesus, the warning that he was giving the Ephesian elders in, in Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 20 is this. He's saying, guys, I may not see you again. And so they weep, break down, cry. And then he goes on to say, hey, I've not eaten of you. I've made sure that I worked for my own living and I've not been a burden to you. But now I want to warn you that when I leave, 
ravaging wolves will come from outside and people from within are going to come up and distort the teaching. The way by which we lose the essence of Christ is the dilution of teaching or another teaching that comes in and it destroys the churches. And therefore, elders are guardians. Elders are defenders of the teaching. Elders are the teachers of the teaching and the defenders of the teaching. And their responsibility is that and that while the teaching is saturated in the lives of people that they begin to live out the teaching. They learn, they live and they teach one another so that Christ and his teachings get saturated in our lives. We begin to live out the teachings of Jesus and that creates the beautiful picture of Jesus to the watching world. And that is the way by which people are added into the church because that's, that's how... Um, that's how we continue to collaborate with Christ in setting apart more people for himself for all eternity. And sometimes it can be added into the same community because we don't have enough space or not leaders that we actually have another locale or another house or another building. And doesn't matter whether we meet under trees or meet in a building or meet in a house or underground. The same thing happens because it's not the place. It is about the people. It's about the community. Yes, uh, letter to the Ephesians is written after Paul left. The middle letters of Paul are called the prison letters. So whenever Paul was not able, so there are, there, are, there are three ways by which Paul established the church. One, while he was with them, he taught them. That's the, reason, that's the way he established. Secondly, when he was not able to be with them, he wrote letters to them, reminding them of what they taught them. What he taught them. Thirdly, how do he, does he establish when there becomes a little excessive problems in certain places? He had to send his key men. And that's why Jacob, after some time, can't just be a lonely man because he can't handle. Till Vancouver, Greater Vancouver and six house churches are there, Jacob can handle it. But the moment it becomes New York, the moment it becomes certain parts of Southeast Asia, where there are planting of churches and appointing of elders, there needs to be team members and God bless certain team members are rising up, certain Timothys are rising up, but then we got to leave Timothy in Ephesus because after some time. And so one of the churches that have, has enough material to process is the church in Ephesus because you have Acts of the 19 and 20 that talks about the inauguration of it and the commissioning of the elders. Then you go to the book of Ephesians where you have an idea of what is happening in, in around Ephesus. And then he writes First Timothy because now Timothy is in Ephesus. And then you have Revelation chapter 2, uh, an assessment of the church in Ephesus. And therefore you have enough materials of uh, how a church through two to three generations has existed. And so, the New Testament has enough materials for us to have a full grasp of what Christ was doing with the churches. Now, we can't say we don't know what to do. Can we go on? Everybody? Is it okay? Let's go on. And so, so this entire process... To the leaders yesterday, I had to summarize it as two important things. 
the centrality of the church and the priority of the apostolic leadership why priority not because they are special but because they need to move they need to enter into new territories they need to penetrate and progress the gospel and that's why if they don't move the church becomes stagnant that's that's the group of people that continues on to the second part the first part is god is setting apart a people for himself now all that the elders are actually doing in a particular place is to make sure that we are a people of god that's more internal but then there is a set of leaders that rise up from within the church that actually go into new territories and that's the apostolic leadership and that's why if the church needs to continue to do the reason why the church is inaugurated we got to prioritize the apostolic leadership as the ones who are spearheading the ones who are penetrating the ones who are progressing the gospel and that's why we are summarizing this as the centrality of the church and the priority of the apostolic leadership and so i'm going to be talking today more uh, uh, from a perspective of um uh, acts 29 being six a uh, network of six house churches that has an apostolic leadership in and through jacob and a team that he is slowly but surely developing around himself um that has a worldwide mission and therefore the church that is part and parcel of the greater vancouver right here has a lot more responsibility than to take care of yourself because there is an apostolic team that resides at the antioch right here so if you want to go back to the biblical basis for an antioch church if you go to acts chapter 12 um verse 25 or 26 can someone read this with me and then Let's go to Acts chapter thirteen, verses one down to four. Then let's read Acts chapter fourteen, twenty-three to twenty-eight. Can we have the readings together so that can we all read it together? Is there a way to project these verses, Derek? Twenty-four and twenty-five. Okay. I think twenty-six. Twenty-six. What does twenty-six say? Okay. Read twenty-five. Oh, that's not twenty-six. I think so. Yeah. Twenty-five. Then, then read eleven, twenty, twenty-six. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year. Okay, Barnabas and Saul met with the church. taught great numbers of people okay so this is what they did for an entire year barnabas came into antioch 
he found that hey, there's such a move of the spirit, but there's nobody to really establish the church in the right way. And therefore, Barnabas goes and picks up Saul from Tarsus, comes into uh, Antioch, and they invest into the church for a whole year. And you need to understand that the New Testament understanding of the early church of investment is every day. They kept meeting again and again. If you really see Paul talking to the Ephesian church for three years, night and day. Three years, night and day. Those guys didn't work uh, beyond certain, certain times, I think. They all came together. They met together. They established. The, they felt the urgency of the work so much that they spent so much of time establishing themselves in the teaching. And out of what has been established as a year-long process within the Antioch church, you see Acts chapter 13 verse 1, and 1 to 4, that God actually picks and raises up prophets and teachers from amongst them. And unless we really get established in the teaching, the full whole gamut of the teaching for a period and a sustained period of time, there is no raising up of the kind of leadership that is needed for the church. And so we've got to give up on the sporadic every now and then teaching into a sustained, continuous. And so in 2010, when God spoke to our hearts, we started to, so every Friday, it was once in a week, but I had to do five groups every Friday. Cut down everything that I needed to cut down. Friday evening was one group. Saturday morning was one group. Saturday afternoon was one group. Saturday e- evening was one group. Sunday evening. These are five groups of people that I taught for three years continuously every weekend. It doesn't matter whether I was sick. Uh, there are days that, that I had to go through a surgery. That I was, I was like, you saw a picture of me introduced on the sofa. Uh, that was the position from the groups of people. Friday, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, Sunday evening. I'm just trying to salvage what you damaged. <laughs> and that's the, that, literally I was not able to sit. But I would not give up on sustaining and establishing the church. And then out of that group come, came Benedict, Manova. Out of that group came Jerry, Annette. Out of that group came Suman. Out of that group came all of the leadership at this point in time that are actually spreading across the nation. A sustained teaching. The product. And the end product of that outcome would be raising up of quality leaders. We got to do that within the church. And so what happens is prophets and teachers are rising up who are able to take care of the local Antioch church. Then the spirit is able to set apart Paul and Barnabas. For the work of the mission. And they set off. Because the spirit wants the church to set them off. And the elders of the church actually commissioned. And said Paul and Barnabas. You don't have to sustain us. Because we will be able to take care of this extremely well. You go on what God has called you to do. 
which is the penetration and the progression of the gospel into new places. And therefore, if you go down to Acts 14, 23 to 28, they have traveled all those places, but there are three places called Iconium, Lystra, and Derby or Derb. And these are like close cities one to, one to another. And they sit down and establish this group of people and appoint them as elders. But then after they finished the work, Acts chapter 20, uh, 14, 28 says, they came back to Antioch. And they told them all the great exploits that God has done in and through them. And they rest there. And they continue on. So Jacob can go, come back, refresh and help the Antioch church. But, but his mission may not be Greater Vancouver. Because Greater Vancouver has been handed over to a set of elders who will guard. A set of prophets and teachers. A set of elders who will be able to guard the teaching. And continue on to replenish the 6 down to 10 and 12 and 14 and 15. Because that's our job. That's not Jacob's job after that. And so many... This is done. After some time, Paul wants to go again. And now you have a problem with Barnabas. And therefore, you have a problem with Barnabas. Barnabas is so interested in his sister's son that he goes off with John Mark to Cyprus. And you see a flourishing church in Cyprus that Barnabas continues to establish. But Paul is on this mission because his focus is straight. He goes on and he goes back to Iconialistra Derby where Timothy is picked up. As a young apprentice along with the apostolic team. Doing menial odd jobs. Over a period of time. Which is like at least the timeline is. If it is 18 years that Timothy was picked up. It was 30 years by the time he was given this commission in 2 Timothy 2.2. What do you have heard? And so it's a long haul process. It's not just, hey, come on, uh, you have uh, come into the team and therefore you're an apprentice and tomorrow you will be an apostolic leader. No, you are a young apprentice within an apostolic team and, and it takes a period of time before things can be handed over to you. There may be a lot of jobs that we can leave you in Hanoi for a period of time to dismantle certain things or to take care or leave you in Indonesia, Jakarta for a period of time or leave you in New York so that you would have some time of rest. But it is a long haul. Apprentice to becoming a master craftsman is at least a long haul period. Not not just one year, two years. It's going to be with, with my experience of Theo, Ben, all these guys, it takes at least 10 years before they begin to become accepted by people in their giftedness. And therefore, there's no quick fix in this. There's no easy solutions. There's no instant work that can be done. So, the guys who are going to be committed for the apostolic team are apprentices that join in and over a long haul become master craftsmen to whom territories and, and teams handed over to. This is the good news. This is the good news. That you don't have to perform now. Just as 
have to sustain through you, you got to see even the development of paul himself from the time he had the encounter to the time barnabas picks up close to 10 years Any question? Yes. That's the reason why we don't go uh, apostle, but we we get an understanding of apostolic apostolic in a sense like the sent out ones the sent out ones and therefore apostolic doesn't mean apostle apostolic means the fivefold giftedness or whichever fold you want to call fourfold or fivefold or manifold giftedness this is a gifted team that functions and that they function to progress and penetrate the gospel plant and establish churches and raise up elders they are equippers who actually equip the body and make sure that the unity and oneness is around the teaching and they deliver the teaching so so they are and and uh, you got to go back to the tape and get a full un- full download on on what we what we but but this is not uh, this is not like how we have processed you are an apostle you are an evangelist no is paul an apostle yes is paul a prophet yes is paul an evangelist yes paul a pastor yes paul a teacher yes is paul a father yes and therefore it's a function that needs to be given within the body uh, that they that, that we all provide and some over a period of time or long haul can actually mature into a particular giftedness in which they are sharpened by the spirit because there are others who are already functioning in other giftedness that's for this is a team it's a if the gifted leadership team that actually penetrates and progresses the gospel and that's that's how you need to start process, processing these things then what has happened is that the pentecostal charismatic movement has made it title and individual gifts apart from the church and therefore the context of their 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 function is lost and therefore that is how it's skewed and we have a lot of confusion if you go back to the context of the new testament it is actually in and through the churches apostolic teams come out of the church commissioned by the church they go to plant and multiply churches and therefore they originate from churches and end up with churches they originate from churches end up in churches today the apostle prophet evangelist pastor teacher has nothing to do with the church they are organizations that they do whatever they do partnering uh, and raising up partners i do not know for what 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can. So I'm going back to the timeline of church history. 33 AD, Jesus ascends. First hundred years. Very clear apostolic. Here, this, here it is about the centrality of the church and the priority of the apostolic leadership. That's, that's the hundred years. And slowly, um, the first three hundred years, this begins to a little distort because of the rising up of the church fathers that because there are around over several, at least several churches that are uh, are spread across the then known Roman world. Um, but so we can very clearly say the first three hundred years has been very much centrality of the of the local church and the priority of the apostolic leadership that existed. But then comes Constantine. And with Constantine accepting Christ and the Crusades and all those cross and all of that, he's bringing a whole new religion called Christianity. And therefore, you are deviating, number one, who is a Christian gets diluted. Before, a Christian is, is about being a disciple of Christ. Now, after Constantine, anyone who is in the Roman Empire and citizen of Rome is a Christian. So that's the big dilution that takes place. You're, if you are a disciple of Christ, then you are a Christian. That's how they named the people in Antioch. And suddenly, third century, Constantine comes in and says, if you belong to Rome, then you are a Christian. And it doesn't matter what you practice and where you practice. Constantine made the Christianity as the state religion. And suddenly appoints buildings, which are government buildings, where from Monday through Saturday, um, courts happen, all the public affairs of the city happen. But on Sunday, masses began to happen. And therefore, Constantine began to appoint leaders that were city leaders who also took care of the church-state religion. And that is how quickly, who is a Christian diluted? Church became a building. Church was a community of disciples that met together in catacomb and catacombs and underground caves in Rome suddenly had posh buildings with porches and cross on top with steeples. Now we have not been able to come out of this. Thirdly, mission. Mission became from planting and multiplication of churches to become war. You conquered nations and you, the entire idea of crusades and campaigns that we have today comes from the idea of Constantine who said, let's go war, capture that nation and the moment Roman Empire captured that nation, they became Christian. Four, leadership. Before it was matured disciples. Here it became gifted administrators. 
फाइव लीडरशिप डेवलपमेंट हेयर इट वॉज द चर्चेस एक्चुअली डेवलप लीडर्स हेयर स्लोली दे स्टार्टअप टू मूव आउट इन टू मोनास्ट्रीज बिकॉज दो गाइज कुडेंट स्टे विद द वर्ल्ड एंड देफ दे रिमूव दमसेल्स फ्रॉम द वर्ल्ड that this effect took by the 11th century that people were not even wanting to touch the ground that they sat on top of pillars and that's why they were called pillar saints and they removed themselves into the caves and they actually went into contemplation and meditation they had great things to write about but so removed from the natural relationships with the world and therefore theology became out of practice so much this continues on from 3rd century to 10th century 10th century there is a split between the eastern church and the western church because the church in constantinople in and around antioch they rebelled against the papal uh, dictates and they said no we will not follow you and the eastern church divided itself from the western church but by the time it is 15th century you have uh martin luther rising up and this entire protestant movement starts out and so a protestant movement is coming back and giving these four important statements of the protestant uh, reformers one is sola fide i explained yesterday number two is sola gratia this is faith alone salvation is by faith alone salvation is by grace alone and they recover what is called the gospel sola fide sola gratia sola scriptura and priesthood of all believers they never recovered the church they continued the same form of church they never recovered the leadership they continued the same appointed priests just like how a priest is in the catholic church there was a protestant priest who slowly became the pastor and he becomes the senior pastor of the church it is the same catholic order that continues on they recover the gospel and that's where reformed theology is still stuck with great um great respect for piper macarthur uh, keller but still they are stuck only with recovery of the gospel and they have taken the gospel and see the entire scriptures through how luther zwingli and calvin saw it and they stuck there the first 100 years luther lutherans they concentrated on this the second 100 years baptist they concentrated on one aspect added on to luther which is immersion baptism the form of baptism and there were wars and there were anabaptists and other sides of baptism who killed one another just on the basis of whether we should dip and immerse people or not john wesley and charles wesley brought in this entire idea of methodically studying scriptures in small groups and they really pushed the idea of the um ecclesiola and ecclesia that means those who sit down and methodically study the scriptures are the real church within the church building 
That's how we call them Methodists. They sit down and study scriptures in an orderly fashion. And there were small groups within the church building that met either before the mass or after the mass where they actually formed their small groups. And Wesley was someone who rode on horseback going to cities after cities to evangelize and to call the church back to its, its original intent of the gospel. So that's the first, the six, 16th century, 17th century, 18th century. 19th century is what is the use of studying scriptures we, if we can't live a holy life or put the scriptures into practice. And the whole holiness movement came into being. Now we got to live holy lives. If we have to study the scriptures and live this old life, what is the use of studying scriptures? We got to live a holy, holy life and the whole holiness movement come into being. And then the entire fallout is that we are trying to be holy, we can't live holy and therefore there's something that is missing and therefore they sat down to read the scriptures. They stumbled upon Acts chapter 2 and they said, hey, we need the spirit, the Holy Spirit in order to live this holy life. And that's how the Pentecostal movement started a hundred years ago. While the Pentecostal movement started a hundred years ago, the spirit started to move and the movement thought the spirit started to move. The spirit can say whatever he wants to say. They left the word which was the, the forte of the previous groups of people. Luther, although they recovered the gospel and they were solid with that gospel and they have theology of the gospel extremely well. And they held on to the core extremely well. The Pentecostals, because of the movement of the spirit, that they did not concentrate on the word, that they started to split and splinter constantly. Now one of the things that happened is that uh, the Pentecostal movement, the initial Pentecostals, uh, the Assemblies of God, the Church of God, the, uh, the, um, uh, the four, 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 four square God. For, for, these are initial Pentecostal movements that arose. They all emphasized on the speaking of speaking in tongues as the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And was so very focused on that, that the other gifts were sidelined. And that's when the charismatic revival began in the 50s, where all of the gifts are to be experienced, not just speaking of tongues. And therefore, the whole set of people begin to emerge called the charismatics. While the charismatics were on the move, that someone in the Baptist church began to experience, hey, maybe not everybody is called to be a pastor. Uh, there are other giftedness in the body. And that's how Dr. Billy Graham actually, he said, if I'm an evangelist and not a pastor, what am I doing in the church? And therefore he left the church in a sense of not, he did not leave, leave church. But he said, I'm evangelist, I'm not a pastor. And therefore, he starts out an organization called BGEA. Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, which is, a, which is the primary model for what is called as 501C in the US. A non-profit, non-church entity. And it is not government, it's not church. But it's a Christian organization format that begins to take shape around Dr. Billy Graham because he makes the statement that I am not a pastor, I am called to be an evangelist and therefore I can't really pastor a church. I need to be going and sharing the gospel. And out of this route comes the whole charismatic evangelist with Oral Roberts, Catherine Kuhlman 
and of the of that tradition comes Dr. Benny N and all those evangelists that we talk about and all the evangelists back in the back in India with all kinds of ministries either named after them or around Jesus one of the two is a very typical uh, thing it will be the Benny N International Ministries or Oral Roberts Ministries or it would be Jesus calls Jesus comes Jesus goes now, all kinds of ministries and organizations that emerge out, but they actually um, are shaped around the parachurch format of the NGOs and Christian non-governmental organization patterns. And so evangelists all come out of the church, and that's the 50s and 60s. The 70s and the 80s, the prophets suddenly woke up from within the church and the church pastors became the king of the local churches and they would not let anybody operate and therefore they become the CEOs and the kings of the churches that prophetic cannot exist in the churches. The prophets began to come out and prophetic uh, associations, conglomerations began in the 70s, 80s. And by the time you come to the 90s, suddenly church growth movement with Peter C. Wagner uh, coming with this clear understanding after McGavern's um, and Fuller, they came up with this entire strategy called church growth movement and they started to understand how churches are growing and why some churches are growing and Paul Yongicho in Korea becomes the key model which they study church growth movement. The church growth international starts and Fuller and does a lot of research around comes to this uh, grand big conclusion that maybe a pastor of the large growing church is not a pastor. He must be an apostle. And so they begin to name those churches that has the capacity to grow into huge numbers as apostles. And then slowly apostles come out of the churches. And they form the apostolic, uh, not apostles circles or uh, networks of apostles across the world. And therefore everyone actually begins to leave the church. And has nothing to do with the church at the end of the past comes the king of the church and all the others are existing outside the church, feeding off the church but not building the church. But building these each and every individual ministries with the churches following what the Catholic Church follows, which is the buildings and the and the crowds and the mass and the communion and the motivational teachings. Yeah, teachers actually went off to the Bible colleges and they became the scholars and teachers. And so all of them have left what the source of where people need to exist in and function together as. And so the apostolic is about being sent from the church to form churches. Today everyone is doing whatever because we believe that I am doing what, so slowly with, with the onslaught of uh, from being community oriented to becoming highly individualistic in the culture. And therefore, every individual has an individual call from God. And it's a, it's a corruption of the world's philosophy of individuals. Individualism, because I have a unique call and I build things around me. Versus God has commissioned the community. Switch, there are apostolic leaders who progress. That has been distorted completely, which is what is found in the New Testament. And we became Chadwick International Ministries. 
Yeah, it was nice. So we start to look in for our identity in this entire gamut of what God is doing. Because that's exactly what sells in the world. Because that's how you can market who you are. That's why you are sought after. Because you have a niche, you have something unique to offer that people want. We have destroyed this entire idea of what the church is, what the apostolic priority and the centrality of the local church is supposed to be. Therefore, it's like nobody can actually say what the church is because nobody wants to define what the church is. Nobody knows what the church is. Everything is mission. Everything is ministry. I visit a hospital. It's it's hospital ministry. I visit... um, I, I go to a few places, I become an evangelist. Therefore, each thing is built on individual call and individual giftedness or individual life work that God, yes, each one is given a, a set of good works to be doing, but it's built around that individual set of work and a whole host of people working for that individual person. We've lost the plot. Humpty Dumpty has fallen. And broken. And nobody knows how to put Humpty Dumpty back in its place. And that's the reason why we can't actually. The, the greatest challenge is most of them have their theology set around reformed. And therefore in the 21st century, even today, every reference is back here. To what Luther said, Swingley said, Calvin said. No, we got to go back. To the way of Christ and his apostles. To build back what we need to build as a church. And that's the process we are in. While not negating all that God has done through the history. Good, bad, ugly. All becomes lessons. So, not that we don't have to study all of them. We can truly see that in the light of the scriptures. Not as models to be followed and emanated. So we, we actually go into, um, like, okay, I want to be like, not what the scripture says, I want to be like Jacob. I want to be like uh, Dr. D.G. Sinekran. I want to be like uh, Oral Roberts or Benny Hinn. That that's becomes the shaping of our call. No, that's not, I'm sorry, it's not. You can't. With all due respect and honor, flawed methods. Maybe even they did what God wanted them to do in that season. Let's, let's give the due respect. But that's not what. We have not recovered the church. We have not recovered the apostolic leadership the way it needs to be. We have not recovered what leadership is supposed to be. We have not recovered missions. So we got to recover Christ, who is a Christian. We got to recover what's a church. We got to recover what's mission. We got to res- recover what's leadership. We got to recover what is leadership development and we got to go back to the way of Christ and his apostles and build it for the 21st century in our own context, in our own situations. And what happens in India and Chennai may be different from what happens in greater Vancouver, but the principles and the foundational principles in philosophy are the same. The forms and the culture differs. Questions?
steeped into a lot of traditions the more for me new life assemblies of god is a is is a big challenge because you are you're already in a 100 year tradition of assemblies of god and therefore you have a ways and means by which you do and the larger the number the greater the difficulty that i call um this titanic is going a neck neck um breaking speed and we don't know when it will hit the iceberg or what we keep doing is create enough lifeboats because if the titanic does not have enough lifeboats we're not going to salvage when uh, the government says let's close down this and so this obsession to become larger and larger without truly is nothing wrong in gathering all the people on a sunday that's nothing wrong in it because it really helps you develop one mindedness around the teaching there can be a teacher who can actually rally people around and focus but if we don't truly have these smaller groups of people and as long as we can gather to all them together good but not at the cost of the smaller groups of communities because the church is not the crowds church is the community of disciples of christ no yeah cell cell groups is like a like a halfway home in a group in a large church cell groups can be halfway home but if it stops it stops as a halfway home it's not the real thing but we need to really move them to truly existing communities of disciples with elders amongst them who guard the teaching and who are truly maturing and reflecting Christ to the watching world and that's why we are beginning to use communities of disciples christ communities households of faith various other language and vocabularies that we need to add on biblical church 21st century church worldly church traditional church absolutely i i i i have i i sit i i sat in a forum in luzon uh just before coming here with the 800 uh, workplace ministers they hate the church they don't like the church they believe that church is a failure because what they process is true institutional denominationalized churches that has power struggles and elections and i came out of an election of assemblies of god of india where people took more uh, papers on the ballot to vote it was no different from the general elections of india people were writing they they grabbed four more papers to write a person's name canvassing taking place and, and sometimes you feel like the pentecostals have not uh, are just following the other uh, groups of people who where the bishop election goes on they're no different because corruption is everywhere
the, the, we, we got to come to the reality of it. When the government says church, they are not talking about the community of disciples. So, there is, a, you need to understand that there is what they call as, um, now church is a technical term. Established by the world. With, within regards to our community, I think, so, so I find it very hard. So when I'm getting up in the morning and I'm going to New Life Assemblies of God Church in Little Mount, I'm beginning to, I'm going to the building. I consciously keep working on my vocabulary. I'm saying I'm going to the building, office building. Because the days of my life when I grew up as a person who was in the church and grew up in the church, I, my natural uh, tendency is when I think about Little Mount Chennai, I'm thinking about that location and the building. That's New Life Assemblies of God Church. Uh, on a Sunday morning as a gathering of churches? It, I, I think it is a common understanding amongst those people who come to our small communities. It may be a common understanding for people who just come Sunday morning. But it's a clear understanding for all those guys who are part of the community that for church is their community. I don't think we have um, any problems calling the small group has a church. That's not a problem at all. As long as we have that group. See, before you declare a church a church, make sure the church is a church. So, so don't be quick to name a church. Because study groups are not churches. Prayer groups are not churches. All the elements that we drew out like yesterday with regards to um, they are a community of disciples growing up to be a family with a clear understanding of learning, living, teaching the principles of Christ, with a clear understanding of good lives, good works, uh, good works, uh, good uh, homes, and good news, with elders and deacons in place. Because the crucial thing is, elders and deacons are not in place, you can't really have a church. So, so, so there are halfway homes that I have to. So when I'm deconstructing a mega church back home, and reconstructing it as a network of churches, I'm not able to declare everything a church. So I have to name some things as life groups, some things as churches. And so we are now just just around. So 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 just because some of the teens gather together in a group, that doesn't become a church because it's the homogeneous community. A homogeneous community is not a church. A heterogeneous community is a church. Or families and individuals, because there needs to be elders and younger in order because. That's what Titus, Paul is actually delivering in the middle letters of Paul. There needs to be elders who shape intergenerationally the youngsters. And so these things are all part of parcel of what a church. So before it becomes, because we are deconstructing and reconstructing. And so we are in transition. I, I can't declare NLAG to be a network of house churches. No, it is not. It is still a Pentecostal Assemblies of God denominationalized, institutionalized church. But amongst that church, and therefore I love this term that um, Luther used once and uh, uh, Wesley uses it often, Ecclesiola and Ecclesia, which is there is a church, there's a real church 
within the building or the structure of the denominationalized church. And therefore, I can tell within analogy that's a real church within the Assemblies of God Church. And that real church is not 25,000 people. There's a crowd of 25,000 to 40,000 that actually swells up on a new year to 70,000 people. That 70,000 is not the church. But I can tell with, with clarity that 58 homes within the English are churches because I know the elders of the church. I know that they are about the teachings of Jesus Christ delivered through the apostles. I know that they are maturing and are able to counsel, defend the teaching and shape the lives of people. But there are, apart from that, uh, totally 104 groups, but all 104 groups are not churches. Out of the 104 groups in the English, only 58 are churches. I'm saying, I'm working towards, hey, by 2020, can we have at least 70 house churches? So the New Life Assemblies of God English can be a network of 70 house churches. There are 1,322 Tamil groups across the city. But all 1,322 are not churches. There are small groups out of which I can authentically talk about around 200, 210 groups that are truly. And so this is the true... If you really take the census of the church at New Life Assembly of God, which is 70,000 on a, on a celebratory weekend or two... 25,000 to 30,000 on us. So you, you got to understand on our first week we hit 40. On the last week we hit 30. So that, that means within the first week, communion week, there are, there are some communion Christian crowds that come because they have to take communion. And I do not know where they go in between. <clears throat> to the last week, I think they take rest in their homes. Because they have, a, maybe they're on a holiday or they feel like Maybe we should do three, 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 three weeks in a month. I don't know what the pattern. Now these are real statistics of what we have studied through the church. It's already time, huh? I'm going to outline the seven things today. And then I don't know how we are going to go. With the hospitality that you are giving? I don't know. Can't you delegate that to someone else? You're in the beginning of it. Just that the Spirit has moved to that for the church. And Acts 29 can't be stuck in the Sunday evening. That's the only sense that I have of the church when I came in yesterday. That That's where the Spirit has moved on. It's important that we catch up with the Spirit rather than be laid back and think that Jacob is going to lead this church. Because Jacob, I believe with all of my heart that Jacob is actually moving on to other territories within even North America. 
Because this morning we had some conversations. Which may... Um, certain, certain places need... A place like New York, you can't just hit from another place. You need a residence. Either someone placed there so that Jacob can go in and out or Jacob needs to set up a place. And I'm not saying New York is the next. I'm, I'm talking generically with a specific idea of New York. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but, but uh, that's where the spirit is moving on for the church. And I have uh, enough evidence and concurrences. Of, so we need to quickly measure up. And uh, this will not happen if... if um, so that move will, will quicken the process. I've, I've seen until I moved, people don't rise up. Because they always see me there. Always see me there and they want to suck the best out of me. I'm saying is the size of the church depends on the uh, on, on the on the capacity of the shepherd and the size of the meeting place. So these are two factors. I can't actually have a cramped in hall. You got to understand culture. You got to understand culture to it, it again. In India, I can cramp, but not in Vancouver. You become eight to ten people in a living room. You already have some people complaining about enough carbon dioxide here. And so you got to understand that these dynamics change with culture and context. And but for me, the real essence of it is: can the elder truly handle? You got to understand that yes, Jeevan could be an elder. But if there is a marital issue that someone is experiencing, you can talk theoretically. Ask Jacob about it, where it's the purest form of theory. Can I proceed? <laughs> yeah. Not distorted by any experience. Pure, divine. But it would be a challenge because uh, Jeevan may have to depend on another couple. And that's why I think Jeevan would need, at this point of time, if he still wants to continue like Jacob, he will not be able to fully cater to the new families that are going to come into this. You understand? Actually, the church is a family of families. It has families and individuals. And, um, and that's the reason why uh, the instruction to the appointment of elders is so specific around a family. If he is not able to take care of the family well, how can he actually take care of the... So, sometimes eldership truly... Uh, I'm not saying that singleness can't be an elder. Single people can be elders. And that's why eldership is not a single person. Eldership is a team. Eldership is a team and therefore Jeevan needs to be supported by another couple who is maturing. In order to, at this point of time, to help. 
the dynamics of a family that comes in. How do we deal with a, a child who is uh, so very not behaving well? Or a teenager who's moving into the teen and and sometimes me, I, I have a boy who's moving into his 12. Just now I understand the dynamics of how those people who have actually had teenagers, they come and speak as if their entire life is lost. I never used to understand that. Now I'm beginning to understand it little. Because there is, whether you like it or not, there is an element of theology in practice. Theology is good. Biblical understanding and teaching is good, but theology in practice is the only way by which we... And it does not... So that's, that's the reason. Jeevan can be a, an elder. Not, not that Jeevan can't be an elder, but he needs support from another family if we have to really build a church. Jeevan can deliver the teaching, but teaching in practice needs another couple standing shoulder to shoulder with Jeevan. You got to release him out of his singleness. Yeah, come. But for a context of Greater Vancouver, a non-Indian would be much better. If you have some burden over Hanoi. If we are willing to repent, because I have to repent of my ways. Because there's only one way by which Christ is building. That's his way. And the, the, the Christian organizations and churches are building our way. We have our own traditions. We have our own set that we believe is a better solution than what Christ offers. That's the greatest challenge of the Christian world today. Because we believe that there is an innovative way and a creative way by which we can do what God is wanting to do. That is the downfall of Christianity as a, as a religion. Because we we have become a religion. We have become a, a force to reckon with. We are political. We have power. We have money. And we have lost ourselves to mammon. We have to come out of it and give up these things in order to build. And, and, and I see that there is a whole host of people rising up. Because it's not. I've, I'm seeing things happen not uh, because someone is going and teaching, because I'm seeing this happen if someone truly is wanting to follow the Spirit and not follow. So one of the couples uh, from our church actually lived, left nine years ago from our church. And one of the prayers that God asked them to pray is, Lord, help us not to build another New Life Assemblies of God church in Maranasi. And they sought the Spirit to do what is needed for them. And the Spirit, with our, with our, so I'm coming to them after six years with these teachings. And they're saying this is exactly what we are doing because we follow the spirit and we didn't want to ape or model in a legend. Because the problem with us is we model something that we see. 
and Christianity is modeling. Therefore, that's why everyone wants to be a Hillsong church. Everyone wants to be a Bethel church. Everyone wants to be um, uh, Joel Osteen's church. Everyone wants to be a Pastor Mohan's church. That's my bad. Everyone wants to be Pastor Baltagya's church. Back back in an Indian context. Sorry, that's that's not what you're called. And I think this is enough and more that the scriptures have been written and sealed clearly. The problem is we don't give attention to scriptures. We give more weightage to our innovative ways and means which actually ends up into a secular corporate philosophy of how we can build corporations and organizations. And so we actually go by what the world does with all sincerity. And that's why we have marketing, we have we have social media posts and we have so many things. Yeah. Did you know, did, did you, there's a very clear statistic on those churches that are on media are the churches that are growing today. It's mass communication. And those churches are brilliant. It's, it's growing. Leaps and bounds. And you see immediately you can associate the top money spent is on media. Media is virtual reality. There's no real thing about it. Discipleship is about one-on-one, rubbing shoulders with one another, eye-to-eye, communication, relationship, authentic. The other world is virtual reality. Artificial intelligence, virtual reality, Google hits. How do you keep your page up? How can you actually have presence? This is not about God's presence. This is about media presence. How can you be out there in the faces of people? That's exactly what all of the church conferences have become. Not that we can't use all these things. And we are not against media. But if you really don't do what what Christ not against media, not against, we can't, we can't be in a social media, no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if we don't really do what we are supposed to be doing. I have pastors within the city that have struggles because someone else's video is having on YouTube doing much better than theirs and they're discouraged. And Because I, I'm in constant touch with some of them personally, they, are, they open up their lives and you know what's the struggle? The struggle is not anything else. They are not sinful. They are, no, the struggle is... That pastor who is almost like an equal to them in the city and their post is doing much better on YouTube. Especially those who are singles have a war that goes on because because somehow this YouTube likes is associated with money too. These are new problems that are not heard of before. Reality. These are the realities of Church world. So let me go to seven things that I'll come back in August and do. Tomorrow, yes, we can. I don't know whether you'll we'll start like this with an introduction and go with questions also. Okay, these are seven things. Apostolic map. 
So I'm just going to lay them down. Number two. Okay. Church-based. Apostolic. Mission. Today, missions is sometimes not church-based, and some uh, and most of the churches are not mission-based, and therefore we are really uh, bringing this uh, again a new vocabulary just to explain the centrality of the churches and the priority of the apostolic leadership. See, bam. Church-based apostolic missions. Apostolic map. God has, I'm going to give short definitions. God has given a field to apostolic leaders. And apostolic leaders along with apostolic bases, which is like an Antioch church here, need to know the field that God has handed over over to them. It may start small and as we progress can expand, but we need to have a sense of the field that God has given the apostolic leadership along with the apostolic base. In that field, we got to progress the gospel by the planting, establishing, and multiplication of churches. And we say churches, these are authentic discipleship communities who are fully embracing the idea of the church. Number three, we got to set up the leadership in place as both apostolic leadership and as local eldership within churches. We got to recognize both of these leaderships and, and develop and develop teams around these two sets of leadership that is found in the New Testament. So while we have a map, a, a, a field that God has handed over to us, we progress the gospel in strategic cities. We plant, establish, and multiply churches. We clearly develop the leaders so that the churches can be taken care of by the local eldership and this apostolic team grows on so that we can uh, saturate the entire map that God has given us. Number four, identify strategic churches within the field to mature them and make them bases. Like, okay, we have the Greater Vancouver as as our original base, but over a period of time as we plant our churches in New York and as we plant our churches in Barron and as plant our churches in Hanoi and we continue on. There are other churches and other cities which become strategic based on which we need to launch further. And so first for Paul it was Antioch, but then his strategic base shifted into Corinth for one and a half years. And then it shifted over to Ephesus from where he was actually launching. Either what happened for three years, gave rise to around 12 other churches in and around the entire um, circular road around Ephesus. So I'll explain more and more, but identify static churches within the field. Because now you're planning churches, 
you are setting the leadership while you are setting the leadership over a period of time you need you know that there are other strategic churches that will become base by which you can launch from their teams number 5 get the local churches to engage in holistic transformation process and i'll explain to you what is this whole holistic transformation process which is basically how these communities in a particular area engage themselves in the world so that there can be a webbing out of the churches and replenishing of churches in that particular locality get the local churches to engage in the holistic transformation huh? so so how do we how it how do we equip the churches enable leadership within the churches we engage them in the communities where the church exists and we expand and multiply churches we equip enable engage and expand equip enable engage and expand in their local community identifying what are the local causes that we need to be engaged in who are the people that we associated associate with so that we will bring about transformation of the city or the place the good lives good works uh good families good news while we equip enable engage and expand number 6 we got to develop funding for spontaneous expansion we are still a church in the world therefore we got to really understand the dynamics of money because we are still in the world but we need the funding for spontaneous expansion how can we steer away from mammon but use the money for the sake of the progression of the gospel now how in this individuals families churches church networks participate with the apostolic team in for the progression of the gospel developing funding for spontaneous expansion number 7 when when jacob becomes 72 or 74 plus at least by then he needs to find a, a team of people where he can passing on the baton baton or the the what do you call it? baton baton whatever you want to call it but hand it over it doesn't mean that you need to sit but by by then the, the intergenerationally there are churches that are transferred in the local elderships intergenerationally they are transferred in the apostolic too and the greatest challenge is sometimes uh, transitions happen in local churches but transition don't happen in apostolic leadership because apostolic leaderships are unique in that sense but we need to find the gifted leaders to pass on so that the apostolic is not sidelined and suddenly the network of churches that you establish become larger and bigger and are stronger with a lot of money power and slowly the apostolic which was the force by which these things happen drains down and becomes an administrative group that's how many of the apostolic leaders who start out great mission end up uh, a board that they hand over to and the board is actually sitting down and seeing how they can maintain things 
and have lost their apostolic edge. And so how do we pass on? So these are seven. This is through the New Testament and out of all the New Testament studies, I was able to pick them up and slot them into these seven. Tomorrow we can't finish all. We'll start something. Yeah, we'll try. Six is developing funding for spontaneous expansion, where individuals, families, churches, and church networks actually uh, develop benefactor funding specifically for. And um, tomorrow I'm planning to have a conversation with. Is it okay to mention Isaac? Um, on how can we develop something called a Christian Global Christian Entrepreneurs Forum or an Entrepreneurs Network, where entrepreneurs right from the beginning are shaped around the idea of church-based apostolic missions while they do entrepreneurship with a clear understanding of setting apart a, a funding right from the beginning for the progression of the gospel, the planting and the establishing multiple churches because where the Christian funding is going at this point of time is for because of the postmodern uh, orientation of issues and therefore uh, if there's no water in somewhere money goes there a um, lot of good works have been funded or justice international justice mission is one of the greatest funded organizations today compassion international is all good causes the the issue is not it's, it's needed not that money shouldn't go there but the problem is the money is somehow not being channelized into the progression of the gospel, which is where the heart of where Christ is moving the church to be. And so how do we create this entire philosophy around spontaneous expansion funding? Huh? Better media. True. We, we should harness. Not that we shouldn't harness, but we must make sure that we use the media the right, right, the right, for the right reason. If we use the media and we truly build disciples, as because I think knowledge can be transferred through any form, but discipleship doesn't take place. KTs can happen. Media is a great source for KT, and it doesn't matter whether I sit and talk or you watch on a media. I think the the 21st century mind is perfectly fine whether I am live or not. But what can happen is Katie. But the interactions that I have with Jacob, Katie is knowledge transfer. Sorry. It's a very Indian term, I think. On an IT world, Katie is a very common term, but uh, IT world, sorry. I come from India. Knowledge transfer. So, uh, today, media can be a great knowledge transfer, but but one on one, there's something that happens in the spirit that that happens when you rub shoulders, when you shake hands, when you eat together. There's something that happens when you eat together that does not happen when you are not eating together. Yeah, I think it would slowly move into 
3D holograms and projections. I, I think the possibility of, of where the world is going is very real. We can. Virtually in, immersed. and You can even feel wet. Because there will be sprays that will come out of your computers. And make you wet and you dry up. There's no end to technology and where the church can go. But the essence of this entire thing is relationships and relationships always feels... I, I can actually communicate with my wife anywhere in the world with so much of travel, but that's nothing like being there. You feel the emptiness after the Skype call or the WhatsApp call. You're inviting people home, meals, chat, sitting together, relationships, true, authentic ones. It can't be mass-produced. Can't be manufactured. It needs to be formed, shaped. Um, I think at least till a point where you're confident of your church elders. It's, in fact, gathering of the churches together is so important, at least in the initial phase, because one-mindedness of these churches are needed. So it's always good to rally them around initially. Over a period of time, depending on the person and their ability and maturity and their loyalty, there's so many, so many factors of the elders. Because as elder can actually have a lot of influence on this community. And if he is able to teach the right teachings, they will always be united together. But if there is a distortion of teaching, they will always chop that portion of the network off. Or it can be even personal struggles, personality clashes with the leadership. These are these are the downside to all of this. That, that really, at least in the initial maturing stage, till it becomes mature, gathering them together is crucial and key. And until persecution hits. At, at, at one point of time, if persecution hits and you can't gather together, you can't gather together. And, and that's why I believe uh, uh, before those those days come. At least it's, it's facing uh, right before us in India. In uh, north of India. And in uh, Cities are okay. We still can manage gathering together. But more and more and more within, while we are, especially in Varanasi, when I'm talking about this couple that went and built, they have actually reached out 460 villages now. 
out of which there are 172 house churches that are but in the district amongst all of this is a place called Janpur this last year uh, the pastors had to flee away from the city from the town because they couldn't because they were they were they were sought out to be killed or beaten so how, we can't gather them together they met together in their own homes and so the reality of persecution will push us there anyways you don't think that is part of vancouver greater vancouver but for us back home it is something that faces us right on our faces now china exists that way hanoi does that so we are part of a church that is facing the reality of you can't gather on sunday evenings together in this man at that time we got to work out with what what is available but till because this is luxury let's 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 enjoy this luxury we close today we'll thank him big time tomorrow um so for now it's just thanks chat uh so we'll do this song so will i uh and when you sing it sing it thinking of that thing he drew on the board where